So a few housekeeping um, things to cover before we move forward. Um, I've already been asked in regards to having a breakfast on the one Saturday a month that we do this. It's up to you folks. If you want to do that, you're welcome to do so. Um, we want to be able to have uh, breakfast ready to go though by nine. So if you make something, want to bring it here, you could do that as well. Um, the classes are probably going to be around two, two and a half hours total on a Saturday morning, but it's one Saturday a month, first, sun, first Saturday of every month. And uh, so if you would like to continue doing this, I think it's a great time of fellowship um, to be able to do this. But uh, again, it's up to you. And if you do, then uh, somebody would need to make sure that they're arranging, figuring out who's going to bring what or whatever. Um, but I think that uh, if you want to do that, then that would be fine. Um, secondly, you are going to need, just like you do on the doctrinal class, I'm going to recommend that you get a two-inch minimum, two-inch notebook, um, three-ring binder. Um, you're also going to need, unless you take notes on your iPad, your Kindle Scribe, your whatever, Remarkable, or whatever, uh, unless you do it that way, I'm going to recommend that you have pad of paper as well as pens and uh, highlighters uh, because there are going to be a lot of things that you're going to be given. There are going to be recommendations. But one of the things that I want you to understand about this class, I want everybody to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he says in verse 27, I beat my body and bring it under subjection. Now obviously you guys are here for a reason. And I don't think it's because you couldn't find anything to do on a Saturday morning. So I'm thankful and I'm appreciative. I'm actually surprised at how many people. Um, this church continues to amaze me. But I am surprised at the number of people who are willing to sign up. And some who have said that they're going to start coming in January. Um, and I think there was some misunderstanding about the breakfast this morning. Um, but I am thankful for each and every one of you who are willing to give up a part of your Saturday on a weekend to be able to come and learn more about the scriptures. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. And I want you to see why I believe this class is important and some of the things that we're going to be covering. So, one of the first things that I want to tell you is this. Biblical Christianity is hard work. One of my favorite hymns by the way, I hope somebody's keeping track of all these because all these favorite hymns of mine I want played at my funeral, every one of them, okay? <laughs> so one of, the, one of my favorite hymns is Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Am I a Soldier of the Cross, a Follower of the Lamb? And one of the parts of the verse there speaks and says, um, Should I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? And the answer is no. You see, we have, in American Christianity, I think we've come a far ways from where the majority of our brothers and sisters are every week, every month, every year, around the world. 
And we have become complacent. If you were to take, for example, the seven churches of Asia Minor in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, I think that you would find that we probably most closely resemble right now here in America, we probably, we probably find ourselves in the church of Laodicea. We find a church that's lukewarm. We find a church like Ephesus that has lost its first love. We find a church, I believe it was Smyrna, that actually followed the doctrine, or Thyatira, that followed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, I'm not talking about every single true believer, but I am talking about Christianity as a whole. And this class is designed, and I have been working on this for a number of months. Gabe has, don't nod your head up and down, Gabe. We've been talking about this probably for five or six months now, um, and I've been putting things together that, that, that I hope will change you and I. Because what, we're, what we need to consider here are two aspects, and that's this right here. Theology and application. <clears throat> you can have all the theology in the world. You can have a doctorate in theology. You can have a doctorate in biblical languages. And you can know all the ins and the outs of all the ten major doctrines that are found within the scriptures. And you can look at the scriptures and know all the nuances and you might even be able to parse the Greek and the Hebrew but without actually applying any of this to your life it's absolutely a waste of time because if you are not applying this all you're doing for example how many skilled tradesmen do we have here this morning skilled in what S skilled tradesmen in in anything you're not skilled? That explains the hair, that the frizzy hair. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, so electrician, electrician. Okay, what about military or former military? Okay. So my dad was a uh, crew chief, jet mechanic. Okay. I don't believe for one moment that my dad showed up at basic training, said he wanted to be a jet mechanic, and they said, oh, you look like a good candidate. Go out there and work on that F-4. What did they first have to do when you go to basic training? What is it that the purpose of going to basic training is? Discipline. Discipline. Very good, Hannah. What else? <laughs> to get rid of your old self. Okay, to get rid of your old self. That's a great one, Gabe. What else? To tear you down to build you back up. Tear you down to build you back up. To make you into a soldier or an airman or a sailor or to a marine. Now, the problem is when you get through basic training, you come out and you're a little bit tougher. You stand a little bit straighter, a little bit taller. You haven't had mom and dad or the drill sergeant to tuck you into bed anymore. You get up and you're forced to get up at a certain time. Normally it's, oh, dark 30. And then you go through the day and you do everything that's expected of you. And, and even those who have never gone through any kind of disciplinary action within their life, you go to basic training and, and you find out that you have to actually work for a living. You actually have to do something. And there are things that are expected and that are required of you. Well, why is it any difference? Why is it any different when the Lord Jesus Christ himself says to his disciples, "Take up your cross and follow me." That requires discipline. That requires hard work for us to be able to do that. And sometimes it requires us to lay aside the things that we cherish 
much more than the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you two more words. Some of you have heard this illustration. Some of you have not, so I'm going to repeat it. I've repeated it in multiple years in my ministry. Do you know what the difference is between preeminent and prominent? Let me give you an example. If you come up to me and you say, who's your wife? And I say, Violet is. And they say, well, is she here? No, she's visiting her mom. Do you have a picture of her? Yes. And I open my wallet and I show you my, uh, my, my, my pictures that I've got in my wallet and I open them up and she's one of six or seven women in there. Do you think she's going to be happy, number one? No. But I say she's the first one out of all those pictures that I've got. That makes her prominent. My wife doesn't want to be prominent. What does she want to be? Preeminent. Prominent means the first among many. Preeminent means the one and only. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ expects from you and I. He wants to be the one and only. And every one of us in your life and in mine, there are going to be things that you're going to walk through that God is going to put in your life by his providence, the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And there are going to be things that he's going to expect and require of you. And sometimes it means putting aside the crutches that we have in life. This is where hard work comes into play. There are going to be things that you're going to need to put aside so that you will become a more godly man or a more godly woman or more godly parents or more godly church members. You see, church members are a dime a dozen. You can find them anywhere. A lot of them don't even come to church. A lot of them have no clue what church even is or what it means. Or, or the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ died for his bride, died for his church. And our responsibility is to learn the scriptures so that we can then apply them in the best way possible. Now we were talking about this earlier. And one of the, another word, the next word that you're going to have. And eventually we will have all of these down. I'm going to use this section right here. Nutheo. You're going to become very familiar with this word. So you're all going to speak Greek. Everybody say this together. Nutheo. Great. You're, Hebrew, you're Greek scholars now. Nutheo simply means of the mind. Now before we get to Ephesians chapter 5, I would like somebody to read Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 for us. Whatever version you have. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living holy and pleasing God. Okay, stop right there for just a moment. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to that which is pleasing God. That's great. The problem is that that's where most believers stop. Okay, keep reading. Okay, we're going to stop you again. Spiritual service. Do you remember what we said when, when we had the commissioning service for our two elders? What is it that they are required to be? Huperites. 
an under rower. An under rower for the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we don't get to stand up and command the ship. We're commanded to come in and we sit ourselves down at an oar and we're willing to be chained to that oar if that's all that God gives us to do. And we do it to the best of our ability. I'm going to use an illustration that my dad has told down through the years. When he was first saved, when we came back to the States, he was stationed in Columbus, Mississippi. And he was at a church there and he was mowing the lawn, went out and mowed the lawn and then he got a broom and he was sweeping it and he went around and kind of hit and miss. And his comment was, at the end of that, he looks around and he says, that's good enough for government work. Because that's a common phrase in the military. And he says, and he has related multiple times down through the years, that the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and he said, I am not the government. My dad re-swept the sidewalk. Now, spiritual service means being a servant. It means doing the things sometimes that we don't like doing. Again, it's that gumnos that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, where I beat my body into subjection. And there are going to be some things we're going to have to beat our bodies into subjection for. Let me give you another personal illustration. My wife and I used to be gold members of Weight Watchers. Years ago when we were in England, Violet actually started two classes. And uh, when we were over there, it was a way to be able to make a little bit of extra income. But, you know, we got to gold members not because we ate donuts every day. Becoming a gold member with Weight Watchers, and we're actually lifetime gold members. We're working back down towards that again. But you know what it means? It means when you go to the store, you avoid certain aisles. It means that you avoid certain foods. It means you avoid certain activities if it's not conducive to your health. In other words, if you really want to lose weight, what do you have to do? You have to work at it. But doing that requires being willing to take a little bit of extra time. It requires taking out the phone, for example, and scanning the barcode on the items to determine whether it's something that's actually healthy for your body or not. Now, I realize we live in America, and there is a lot of preservatives in our food that are not found in other countries around the world. In fact, a lot of countries have banned and outlawed some of the foods and preservatives that we actually eat here. But that doesn't excuse us. And if I say, well, I'm trying to lose weight while I'm stuffing my face with a donut, then it's going to be a little hard to convince you that I'm really trying to lose weight, right? What about learning a language? If I never practice, or if I'm learning a violin, or a piano, or a guitar, or a trumpet, or whatever it is, and I never actually practice, am I going to be able to convince you that that's really what I want to do? No, I'm not. So continue reading, please, Sam. Do not be conformed to this world. Oh, wait a minute. Now that's a tough one right there. We could stop there for a week, couldn't we? Don't be conformed to this world. Here's the question. If somebody, your neighbor, your closest neighbor, who's your closest neighbor? No, the closest neighbor is the person who lives with you in your house. Okay? If you were to ask your closest neighbor, your next closest neighbor, am I, conform am I being conformed to the world in my life or am I being conformed to Jesus Christ? What would they say? 
Again, that's tough. And this class is going to be about tough questions. And it's not because Pastor Mark is a holier-than-thou person. It's because I have walked that road just like you're walking that road. And as we walk this road together, the goal is to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of churches can't get people to come more than a Sunday morning, one time on a Sunday morning. And yet, here you are. That's hard work, and I appreciate that. Continue. So we're not being conformed to the world. And do not be, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's this word right here. Nutheo. Or its form, nutheteo. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you have to actually engage your mind to actually be doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you have to think differently. You have to act differently. But you're never going to act differently for long. That's simply a reformation. That's simply a reforming of who you are. You're conforming to the world. You're conforming to Christ. You're conforming to the habits or to the addictions that you may have in your life. But you have to be transformed, which is a completely different word. You have to be made a new person by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you have to actually take time to think whether this is good for me or not. Okay, continue please, sir. Thank you. Let's stop right there. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Some of us were talking about this earlier before the start. You and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can do anything that the lost world can. You and I can be caught up in whatever sins that the world is caught up in. The difference is that that we have been forgiven. The question is, why do we want to continue living in a way for which we know for a fact Jesus Christ died for that sin? You see, that's why we have the Lord's table and why we should have it as frequently as we do, and maybe sometimes more, because... Our responsibility is to recognize that when he went to the cross, he died for me. But he didn't just die for me, he died for my sin. Well, what sin? Is it just the gross sins? Is it just the vulgar words? Is it just the whatever it may be that I have seen or done or acted in my entire life? No, it includes things like little white lies. It includes our very sin nature. The fact that even if we had never sinned, that doesn't make us a sinner. We are born a sinner. And yet it is into the world that Jesus Christ came to save sinners and to redeem us. This is the wonder of biblical Christianity. Not not, not based on a sign that's on a church, but based on what the word of God has to say. Now look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 15, actually. I've got 16 up there. We're going to read from verse 15. Down through verse 21, and I'm going to make some comments as I go along through this. Look carefully, then, how you walk, 
not as wise, but as unwise. How many of you have ever worn contacts or wear contacts now? Okay, you're kind of crazy. It is Wyoming, you know. You have worn them in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did too. Came to Wyoming and that ain't going to happen again. So here's the word here. It's a circumspect word that is used. And Paul actually uses it two or three times in this one passage alone. So for those of you who have worn contacts, it used to be a lot more popular, maybe in other parts of the country it is. But what happens, those of you who have worn them, what happens when all of a sudden you blink and everything just went blurry? What happened? Okay, so it's either it's either rolled up into your eye under your eyelid or maybe it has especially those who have had glass ones, it's popped out, right? Yeah. And what do you do? Well you stop what you're doing to look for it. Okay, but you're in a crowded room like this and what do you do? <laughs> okay, well I've had my I've had mine drop I've had mine drop out. Crumble around. Yeah, but but what do you do with the people who are around you? Don't move. Don't move. Stop. Stop, don't move. Wait a minute, I dropped my contact. This is that same word. It's the word that we get perspicuous from. In other words, to be so observant that you can see the smallest tiny details. Just like a person looking for their contact, you and I should be looking for the tiny details. Listen, when, when, when somebody comes in, and they're counseling, and I'm gonna, I'll get your question or comment here in just a minute. When somebody comes in for counseling, I never, ever, ever start, nor do I finish, with what's going on or what the problem is actually in the house, apart from the very first session. I will let them talk for a few minutes each. What's the problem? She says this, she says this, she does this, she doesn't do that. Well, what about him? Well, he does this, he does that, he doesn't, he leaves the socks on the floor, she burns the toast. And then we stop. And I say, okay, that's enough. I've heard everything I need to know. I said, I know exactly what your problem is. Really? We've only just started the session. Yeah, the real problem is you. The real problem isn't your spouse. The real problem isn't another brother or sister in Christ. The real problem is the relationship or the lack of the relationship that you have with your Heavenly Father. Because when we get that right, the little things that annoy and irk us won't annoy and irk us anymore. Scott? I'm just, you know, what we're doing with the, the theology and with the uh, other doctrinal class, I think actually started, if you back up to 13, uh, in the NSB, actually it starts out with therefore, and of course my thinking is, if it's what's it there for? Yep. When all things become visible, when they're exposed to light, and that truth is always exposing the darkness, and that's why we're supposed to be vigilant, because we've now exposed the light, so now we are to be vigilant as Yum. wise men. We pay attention to what's wrong. Sure. And I think there's a number of problems that we have is, well, we'll just take care of ourselves, mm -hmm. and then if we just learn the good stuff, then we won't have to worry about the bad stuff. And I think there's so many other responsibilities within the... the um, context of Paul's warning to us is always watch out. There's always the warning first and then <coughs> the exhortation yep. to watch out for. And I just think it's, a, just to add on to what you're saying, I think it's really important that when we go through these 
theologies and application is to also recognize that there's, there's enough faults. It sounds right. It sounds close. And they have good hearts, so we probably should be okay with that. And that's really important that we expose that as well. Yeah, and, and that's true. And, and again, I think that's a good point. This class is not for the people who aren't here. It's for the people who do come. And it's like sitting down in a sermon and hearing the minister speak and you think to yourself, oh boy, I wish so-and-so sure was here today. They could have used this message. I've been there. I've done that. And our responsibility, again, is to take the Word of God, to give heed to the Word of God, to be humble enough within ourselves and within our heart to say, Lord, wait a minute, what can you teach me today? Why did you bring me here? Because if we truly believe, not just lip service, but if we truly believe in the providence of God and the sovereign, divine leading of God, that means that he has brought us here today for this point. And it's not for somebody else's benefit, it's for yours. In fact, he says, continue on in verse 14, what does he say? He says, following on from what Brother Scott says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. He is talking to believers. We could say the same thing. Do you want to know why we don't have revival? Do you know why we are in need of a reformation here in America? Another biblical reformation? It's because there are too many people who are asleep. There are too many people who are acting as though they're still dead. And yet they have been given new life. They have been resurrected. Think about Lazarus, for example. John chapter 11. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he's been in the tomb for four days and they say, well, yes, we believe you're the resurrection and the, and the life. They really didn't. It was just lip service. Because when he said, roll away the stone, what did all the people say? Oh, no, we can't do that. He stinks. He's been in the grave. He's been dead. There ain't nothing you can do about it. They didn't really recognize that Jesus was the life, the giver of life. And so Lazarus comes out. Now, can you imagine? It says that Lazarus went to his home and they had a feast. Can you imagine Lazarus sitting there at that feast and he's still got all the grave clothes wrapped around him? Well, Lazarus, why, why are you have all those grave clothes wrapped around you? Well, because I like being dead. No. What does Jesus say? Unwrap him. Loose him from those things. You know what this class is? This class is loosing you and I from the things that we need to be loosed from. Let's continue. He says, Christ will shine on you. Being exposed by the light, you will become visible. We've talked about this again before. But when you go on holiday, if you go to somewhere where there's a lot of sun, and it's nice and hot, and you come back, and you've got a tan, nobody's going to come up to you and say, hey, that's a great tan you got while you were two weeks in Mexico. They're going to say, wow, that's a nice tan. But what happens in two or three weeks or two or three months here in Wyoming and all of a sudden it's gone, you come back and you're as pale as Pastor Mark. And somebody says, see, I told you it wasn't real. You know, the problem is not that the tan wasn't real. It's because you're not as close to the sun as what you were before. And if you want to truly grow in your Christian walk and your faith, you and I are going to have to get really close to the sun, Jesus Christ. 
making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, you can look around the world. We were hearing about some accounts this morning of kids, junior high and high school, who are acting out the natures that is within them, the depravity of the heart of man. And it doesn't matter where you go. Listen, when we were in Liberia, kids four to seven years old were selling alcohol on the sides of the road. You can go anywhere you want in the world and you will find the total depravity of the heart of man. I mean, look at some of the pictures that are coming out of places like Gaza and the West Bank. When you've got kids who are two and three years old with their parents standing behind them, helping them hold an AK-47. Shouting death to Israel. They don't even know what Israel is. And that is found everywhere you go in the world because it is within the heart of man. The days are evil, so we have to make best use of the time. So here's what I want you to consider. Let's talk about time for a minute. Because when you get the homework, you're going to find that there are going to be some things that are going to take time. It's going to require, for example, how many of you have at least a bachelor's degree? Okay. And a master's or working on a master's? Okay. So for you who have an advanced degree, do you have, uh, was, was, did you obtain that by just going to Starbucks and hoping that the professor would pass you or did you have to do homework? Homework, right? Requires homework. Now, the difference is here, I'm not talking about getting a, a degree or a diploma or a piece of sheepskin or lambskin that hangs on a wall. I'm talking about something that's going to see you change. And to do that's going to require time. You say, well, I don't have enough time. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to show you that you and I do have time. Let's work out a few things here. You have... I've already figured this out. I already went to Google, so it must be true. <laughs> you have 168 hours every week. Does anybody here have more than that? Okay, just want to make sure we're all on the same page, so we're all equal here, right? Does anybody have less than this? Okay, good. Everybody's got 168 hours. So let's start with the biggest things real quick. How many hours roughly do you get in sleep? Would you say is the average? Six to seven. Okay, supposed to be eight hours. So let's let's just figure eight hours. Times seven. Gabe, you're the exception. Since I'm his wife, I count too. Yeah. So that takes you down to 112. Okay. So we work how many hours a week, roughly? Forty. Okay. Well, that's true. But again, you would be an exception. All right. So. Can I come work for you? Yeah. No, 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 don't drink yeah. me. <laughs> okay, so let's say an average of, of 40, okay? So that takes us down to 72 hours, okay? So let's say we've got um, dressing, eating, showering, things like that. How much do you think that would be on average a day? Total time. Because most people don't actually sit down and enjoy a full meal together with families. I'm not talking about sitting and gossiping or chatting or anything. I'm talking about just eating time. Well, it takes time to cook, so okay. probably need to throw that in there. Maybe That's fine. On an average, a, per day, maybe two? Two hours. 
Okay, so now we've got... an hour to cook it, five minutes to eat it, and an hour to clean it up. That's why you buy a dishwasher you have kids. Okay, that's 58 hours left. What else? What else makes up your time? Arguing with the kids. That doesn't count. Huh? Well, that, that's true, but we're going we're gonna to get to that part in just a moment. But other things I'm talking about that the average family or the average person would have in their week. What else? Drive time. Okay, drive time. That would be a good one. Gym. Gym. Okay, that's good. Cleaning time. Okay, cleaning time. So you can get just about anywhere in Cheyenne in 10 to 15 minutes. So if you figure 10 to 15 minutes, back home again, that's half an hour a day. Cleaning is about how much time... Now, we're not talking about teenager clean time. We're talking about actually cleaning. All right? Now, she does a good job. Okay, so 30 minutes on average a day. Now, who said anything about cleaning the whole house? I'm sorry. Okay. In general, area probably less than an hour. Probably, we could probably all say 30 minutes, right? Okay, so 30 minutes. Okay, so in 30 minutes drive time, what was the other thing that you mentioned? Now we already got that one. General cleaning. Okay, so and another hour, two hours a day. Let's be generous for miscellaneous. Okay, so another two times seven is fourteen. Okay, forty-four. Now somebody who's got really good math skills, I want you to take that number and I want you to divide it by. Actually, wait a minute. Let's take one more thing off. If you come on a Sunday morning to service and you're here for, say, Sunday school on Sunday morning, that gives you roughly two hours because we've adjusted the time frame, and then drive time roughly. So let's say that you spend four hours on a Sunday coming to church. All right? So let's take another four off of your total time. 40 hours. Now, take that and divide that by seven, and somebody give me a number. 5.714. 5.714. This is how many hours an average that you have per day to do whatever you want to with. Now, however you choose to break that down, let me give you another statistic. George Barner Research has stated this statistic has held true. In fact, it has actually increased since the 1970s. Do you know what the average time is that is spent in the home on TV and the Internet now? Three. Four. Five a day. Five per day. It's actually just over that. It's actually like 5.2 or 5.3 hours. That mean I have 30 minutes to myself then? If you spend five hours on the internet and on the TV, yeah. Okay. So. You're on the TV. Isn't that your time? Yeah, exactly. Now, this, this is roughly saying we can, we can put it like this. On average, you have between five to six hours of personal time that you can do whatever you want to with, whether you spend it with somebody, whether you watch TV with it, whatever you do. But this is the average amount of time that is spent in the average home per day across America. Five hours. We can't say that we don't have enough time to do what is really important when we look at those kind of statistics. For example, do you know that if you were to 
open up a Bible app and you were to actually turn your Bible on, you could go through the entire Bible in 15 minutes per day. The entire Bible. So I'm going to ask you, because we're going to, I told you I was going to ask you hard questions. How many of you have never yet read through the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, all the way through from front to back? Okay, there's a, there's a few of you who have. I appreciate your honesty. But we've got a new year coming up. And I would like to challenge you as part of this class to make this the first year that you have ever gone through the Bible. You can actually turn on, if you have your Bible app, listen to this. I'm going to turn on my Bible app, which is version. That's the one that I use. And I want you to listen to something. Here's the book of Ruth. You ready? We're not going to listen to the whole thing. The New American Standard Bible, copyright by the Luckman Foundation. Ruth, chapter 1. Now it came about in the days when the church okay. that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. Okay, now I, I've grown used to listening to it at that speed. Okay, you can actually listen to it faster, or you can go all the way down to, let's see if I can change this here real quick. Yeah, so you, you can, at any rate, I, I, can't, I can't figure it out right now. But you can, you can actually speed, if you speed it up to 1.25, you can actually read through the Bible, or through the Old Testament once, through the New Testament twice, at a speed of 1.25 in only 12 minutes a day. The whole entire Bible? Whole entire Bible. 12 minutes per day. Oh, 12 minutes a day. I I read fast. <laughs> yeah. So I think I do mine at 1.5. And and listen, the, 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 point, the point is this. That's not the only Bible reading that I do. But that's just as I'm, for example, I get in the shower. Remember, this is, we've already figured out these times. I get in the shower, first thing I do, I turn on my Bible app. So while I'm in the shower, I'm listening to the Word of God. What better way to start your day than with God? So now I've made profitable use of my time, not just by cleaning the body, but by cleaning the mind and being ready for that day. Now, for those of you maybe who haven't read the Bible all the way through, maybe in a number of years, again, I challenge you. You know, some people, brother, brother Mike, I appreciate Brother Mike, but he makes the comment all the time about me being an encyclopedia. You know, it's not about being an encyclopedia. It's about the number of times that you go through the Bible, the more familiar it gets to you. You know, I, I, I don't, I'll ask our two electricians here. If you were going to replace a plug, do you have to get out a manual to figure out which one is the ground wire? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> Do you have to do that? No, why? Why why don't you have to do that? Because you've done enough of them. And it's the same thing. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter for example, if you want to know how to paint, talk to brother Jeff. Because he'll tell you exactly how to paint. There's some of you who do different jobs, whether it's being a CEO or a CFO, there are things that you have to do. Do you work with Excel spreadsheets, brother? All the time. All the time, okay? So for you to know how to do those formulas, 
Do you have to get an? Uh, you have to get the Excel for dummies out to be able to figure out how to do that? No. <laughs> no. Why? Because you've done it enough times that you know what the program does, and you know what it's going to do for you if you have the right input. The right input. Did you catch that? Where does that input come? It's not going to, let me give you a clue, it's not going to come from your emotions or your feelings. It's going to come from the Word of God. It's going to come from you having your mind changed. Therefore, verse 17, do not be foolish, but this is the same thing that he said in Romans chapter 12 in regards to the will of God. Understand what the will of God is. What is the will of God for you as a believer? One word. Sanctification. This word simply means to be set apart. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. You will never be perfect in this life. But it means you are progressive. The, the, the theological term is progressive sanctification. In other words, the work of salvation is the miracle of a moment. I can't remember who said that. But the work of progressive sanctification is an entire lifetime. Do not be drunk with wine, verse 18, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's what Paul is saying, and we're not. this is not a debate on alcohol. He is not saying this verse is not a verse against alcohol. This is a verse that is saying just as a person who is controlled by their wine, this is the Greek tense that is here, just as a person who is controlled by their wine so too you and I should be so controlled by the Holy Spirit that people see the Holy Spirit speaking through us. You guys are, are military police. Have you ever been around a drunk? You had to go and arrest somebody or they caused a disturbance, anything like that in your work? No, we work in the uh, combat side. So oh, okay. So you never had a drunk? You never had a... Okay, you see you never had a drunk troop? Never had to deal with that. Wow. I had one at a gate in Arizona. I have. Okay. So when, when they're under the influence of alcohol, they can be violent, they can be funny, they can be whatever. Unpredictable. Unpredictable because it's the alcohol that's actually driving them. You and I should be so filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that people see us and they see obviously Jesus Christ is in that person. addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, when you come on a Sunday and we come for worship, let me tell you the difference between a true believer who is filled with the Spirit, remember we're following this in logical succession here, versus one who is not. If you come on a Sunday morning and your life has been filled with everything, all the bad stuff that's happened, on the way, you have fought with the wife. You have had a duke out with the kids. Do you think you're going to be in any shape whatsoever to be able to stand up on a Sunday morning and be able to sing, How Great Thou Art? I think it's going to be difficult. I know because I've been there. And we don't even have much of a drive. Okay, come on, guys. That was funny. I live right here. <laughs> Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. The way that you start your day is going to be a big indicator on the way the rest of the day will go.
You see, because if I'm driving down the road and I've spent time with God already and somebody drives and they cut me off or they give me the nice one-finger salute that seems to be so popular in America these days and they do these things or whatever's going on or somebody, I mean, heaven forbid, they're driving 39 down Yellowstone instead of 40. I know, right? Yeah. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. If your day and you are not filled with the Holy Spirit and with God, you're going to struggle with those situations and you're going to respond from the flesh instead of responding from the Word of God. Maybe that person's in a hurry. Maybe that person's had a bad day. Maybe they've just lost somebody. They're on the way to the hospital or the funeral home. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. As the old Indian proverb, don't judge a man until you've walked a a mile in his moccasins. And that's the way it should be for you and I. We should be the first people in all the world to be showing grace and love to everybody else that is around us. That's part of discipleship. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be honest, this one is hard for me. We have driven down Dell Range and I thought, man, I gave myself enough time. Here we are, we're going to be we're going to be right on time. To me, my dad always told me, growing up, if you're on time, you're late. We have always been ahead. We always try to get ahead. And so I'm driving, and I think I've covered everything. And there's, like, all of a sudden, they, they installed, like, nine more lights on Dell Range sometime during the night. And every one of them turned red right before I get there. Now, if I was going to drive like all the Colorado drivers, I would just drive through it. But I don't drive like that because... The time that I do that, Brother Gabe's going to be pulling up right beside me and saying, ah, look, there's our pastor, just drove through the red light. (laughs) Yeah. Oops, my foot just found the accelerator. I meant to step on the brake. But here's what happens. Again, either you're filled with the Spirit or you're filled with the ways of the world. Because if we run into a red light, it may be that God is sparing us from something that could be coming down the road. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, how about instead of being upset because I might be an extra 30 seconds late, how about saying, Lord, thank you for turning that light red and catching my attention again? Because maybe there's something that I need to be taking time to ponder on. And that's not easy to be able to do that. Because again, it requires us to think. The world wants you to think for one person, you. God wants you to think about one person, him. That's the difference. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now this is where some of this is going to come into play. I have chosen, if I could have maybe Brother Ryan... Pass one of those. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We've got enough for everybody to have one. And if we need to print off more later, we can. I have tried to come up with a name for this class. And we were talking about it the other day. And I think the master's disciples is an appropriate term. Disciple simply means one who is a learner. 
And there are going to be some things. You're going to get one of these every month that you come together. It's going to lay, outline what we're actually going to do for the month following. And I want to go through just a little bit of this. And then I'm also going to give you another little gift today. If I could have somebody else hand it, if you'd like to help. Brother Josh, would you mind helping as well, please? So again, we've got enough for everybody to have one of those. And then Hannah, let's just open these here. Now, if you and your wife share and you don't want to have two of these in your home, that's fine as well. Make sure you give one to Papa and Nanny before they go. Okay. Yeah, my folks are headed to the doctor, so they got an appointment. No, we just have one. Okay, real quick, because we're not going to go through all of this, and I want to respect your time. We're not going until 1130 today, but... Again, that's what you can expect on a monthly basis when you come. If we're here from about 9 to 11, 11.30, something like that, I want to be able to respect your time. But I want you to consider this to be like a college class. Okay? Now, again, we've already talked about this. Work is hard. Availing yourself of the amount of time. See you in a bit. Participation, point number four, first page, learn, excuse me, learning is hard. Number two, it requires active participation for successful completion. Now I'm going to say that this includes involvement in the biblical doctrine class. This is available online, but we are going through the book, Biblical Doctrine by Richard Mayhew and Dr. John MacArthur. Dr. Richard Mayhew and Dr. John MacArthur. And the reason I believe this class is so important is because it's going to give you the basis of what we're actually doing in this class. This class is really going to be more designed for application. We're going to learn some additional things. The Reformation timeline, the church line history, there are going to be things in there that, that I guarantee you that you did not know unless you were just a church history major. Same thing with the Reformation history. And there are people from all walks of life who are in there. Martin Luther. Martin Luther was actually a Roman Catholic priest until the day he died. Okay, there's Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and William Tyndall. And, and this is actually the Reformation timeline is actually going to go all the way back to the 1200s. You say, why is that important? Because of this one maxim. Those who fail to learn from history will repeat it. And we need to learn 
from history. We need to learn how these things happen, why we have the things we do. Why do we sit here in Yellowstone Baptist Church right now in a building? How is this even possible? Well, you think because, well, somebody just bought a piece of property and they built a building here. Well, without knowing the freedoms that and that this actually cost other people and the fact that people were put to death, people were actually burned at the stake for things like this, you will never know and understand why we have these freedoms that we do. So there's a six-fold purpose. Again, I don't want to go through all of this this morning, but I do want to share with you Psalm 73, 25, and 26, page 1. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is none on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is part of the very first question that is asked in the catechism, whether you use Spurgeon's catechism or Keech's catechism or the Westminster catechism from the Presbyterian church, and it is this, what is the chief end of man? I'm sure everybody here has heard that. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is one of the verses. The other one is 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything. You mean I've got to change the way I drive now? Well, if you're going to walk according to God's word, you will. You mean i got to be a lot nicer in the house? Uh, well, yeah, if you're going to do it according to God's will, you will. You mean i got to treat even the people at work that I don't like? I've got to treat, and I work by myself, so it's kind of hard, but do you mean I've got to treat the people that I work with with love and grace because that's the way God treats me? Yes, absolutely, if you want to walk in the path of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to do something, and we have talked about this before on the Biblical Doctrine class, and I know... I can count on less than probably 10 people that have ever followed me up on this, and there's at least one in this class this morning who has done this, or started to do this, and that is, take a piece of paper, you want to know the kind of person you are today versus where the Lord will take you a year from now, I challenge you to do this. You take a piece of paper, and you write out the top 75 ways I am selfish. Now if you have a tender heart or you have a heart that the Lord is doing a work in, you're not going to ever get to 75. You see, this gets beyond the, well, I leave my socks on the floor or I leave one piece of tissue on the toilet roll when I'm in the bathroom and I'm done. This goes far beyond that, folks. This digs actually down deep into what's inside your heart, what's driving you. I don't want to see the list. I want you to keep that. Maybe put it in your Bible. And then a year from now, after we've gone through these classes and we've gone through this training, and what I want you to do is I want you to pull that out or I want you to start a new list and I want you to write down or go through the same thing. I guarantee you if you are learning to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, your list will not be the same as it is today. It'll be different. There may be a lot of things that are going to be crossed off. Maybe the Lord has brought other things to your mind that shows you you need to change in another area. 
I don't know because I'm not you and I'm not the Holy Spirit and I can't tell you what you have to change or what you don't have to change. Only God can do that. I'm going to ask you also at times, there are going to be books that I'm going to recommend, point D on the participation. There are going to be books that I'm going to recommend that you purchase and I want you to consider it as an investment. You can do one per home or whatever. And most of these books that I'm going to be giving you, they're little books. I've actually got two more little pamphlets, three more pamphlets that are coming. Um, and, and I want you to consider these as a gift to you. But these little booklets, they are being selected with purpose because there are things that we need to cover. They're going to be everything from church and, 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 and discipline within our lives and sanctification and things like that. Some of them are just going to be copies of sermons from, from men of old times. But there are going to be times when I recommend a book. For example, Pilgrim's Progress. If you have not read Pilgrim's Progress, that should be a book you read. John, or John Bunyan wrote the book in the 1600s, early 1600s, and Spurgeon said, if there was only one book that I had to have in the entire world that I could read besides the Bible, it would be John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. It is a life changer. And that's not hyperbole, by the way. That is fact. It will change you if you're a believer. Now, I don't buy very many books brand new anymore. Now, these little pamphlets here, they are. But ebay.com, half.com, thriftstore.com, thriftbooks.com, there are a lot of places you can go and you can find the books. Just write, down, write them down and you can actually find. Sterling and I, we were on our way down to visit our son down in Lubbock um, and we made a whole list of books and I think we got all 10 books for about 100 bucks. Um, we found them used on eBay. And that was great because brand new, they would have cost probably close to 400 bucks. Books aren't cheap but they're a great investment. Okay. This is where we're going to come to verse 21. Submitting yourself to one another. Accountability is key. One of the things that we found, that I found, I had to learn the hard way when we were in England before we became gold members and it took a lot of time took a lot of not eating the things that we really wanted to eat, etc., etc. I had to learn that accountability was the only way that I was going to make it. And part of the accountability process in Weight Watchers, it's not because it's some fad diet. There's no diet in Weight Watchers. It's accountability. It's writing down what you actually eat so that people, other people can see that. And you would have to actually show that to the leader. Say, what did you eat? You know, what did you have? And somebody would say, well, I only had like, like a little bit of wine each night with dinner. I can remember one lady who used to come and she used to complain because she'd fluctuate probably four or five pounds a week, up or down, up or down. And she always stayed the same and she would complain. Well, how much wine do you drink? Well, not that much. Come to find out she was drinking two glasses of wine a night, every night. And still wanted to eat her full point spectrum. Well, there's a very good reason. And so she stopped drinking all the wine, and guess what? She lost weight. Now, there's another, for example, I don't know about you, but I don't like drinking water. Water is hard for me. Yeah. So you know what I do? A squeeze of lemon. Drop a pineapple piece in it. Drop some oranges in it. Whatever you have to do to be able to drink it. 
because I know what the value of water and getting it into your system. But there's a really cool part of the app and it says every eight ounces you simply hit the plus button and it actually shows the water glass filling up and then it drops again. So you start all over. That's accountability. Accountability says, hey, you can't do this on your own. And let me tell you something. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot do what I'm sharing with you to do today on your own. You have to have somebody helping you, helping you every step of the way. I still have accountability people that I have to talk to. I have to be accountable to my wife in the home. I have to be accountable to the other two elders. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to be accountable as a team to eventually the deacons as we get deacons. That's just part of the whole process. So hold yourself accountable with another brother or sister. And here's a few keys. Don't all pick the same person. So when I tell you you can go and pick an accountability partner, everybody don't run and pick Mike or Gabe or whoever. And there's a line going out the door waiting to talk to that person. Okay? Find somebody. More of us. There, yeah, there's more of us. Okay. Brothers, pick another brother. Sisters, pick another sister. Enough said. Be honest about your time and what you're learning. I'm not saying that you have to come in and you have to give an account for 5.714 hours per week. But if, if you're talking with them and you say, well, I really don't have time, but then you want to talk and, and wax eloquent for the next four hours about the last half-hour sitcom show that you watched, yeah, there's probably an issue. So be honest about your time. If there's something that you don't understand or that you're not learning or you're struggling with in the class, simply ask. We'd be happy to explain it. I went home the other night, came back over here. Sam's still here with the boys, and we still talk. We talked for, what, 45 more minutes or something like that. Got the whiteboard, got the pen, and we are drawing stuff all out there so you'd be able to understand what's going on. I enjoy doing that. That is part of my work as a pastor, as a minister. Be gracious with one another. Now this one is going to be tough for some of you. Maybe tougher than others. But being gracious, Galatians chapter 6 says, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Sam comes up to me and he says, I got to tell you something. Something happened. It wasn't very good. I'm ashamed of this and blah, blah, blah. And so I say, I have a couple of responses. I can say, well... Sam, you just need to grow up. Sam, what's your problem? We've gone over this every single week. This problem that you've got, you drive too fast and you come and you complain and you say, the Lord has forgiven me and so I keep driving fast and I'm getting tickets and it's costing me more in insurance. He's not really doing that, by the way. I just want to make sure we're just using this as an example, okay? And so I say... I say, Sam, listen, I, I don't get it. Listen, if you don't straighten up, we're just going to have to stop this accountability process. And you may not say it with words, but you can say it with an attitude. The point is, how gracious is Christ to you? You know, we've said this, I've said this to my kids, I've said this to my girls, said this to my boys. Why don't you just grow up? Why don't you just act your age? You know what? Sometimes they are acting their age and we're the ones that are not acting our age. If the more years you have behind you in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
it should reflect in the way that you respond to others. So learn to be gracious. Learn to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't have any verses memorized, I would recommend I would recommend memorizing Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and ask God to help you to implement that so that others see the fruit of the Spirit in you. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. It's fruit of the Spirit. And learn about your accountability partner. So what does this mean? I would recommend, again, you can choose whoever you want to if they're willing to be an accountability partner with you and you can have multiple people. You can have a team of you if you really wanted to do that. And I know the ladies have their thing, the men have their thing that they're doing as well on, on the Thursday nights and on the Monday nights for the ladies meeting. But learn about your partner. Learn about the person you're willing to be accountable to. Get their phone number. Text them. Encourage them to text you if they don't like texting. Then call them, write them, email them, postcard them, smoke signals, whatever. Just talk to them. Because when you come together on Sunday, and if brother, say brother, brother uh, 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 Jeff is my accountability partner, and I say, hey, how has the Lord been working in your life? And he says, well, you know that problem that I was struggling with, and I'm scratching my head trying to remember, did we even talk about that? If I know Brother Jeff, the more intensely I know Brother Jeff, the closer our relationship, I'm going to be able to say, I'm going to be able to walk up at him and say, hey, listen, I don't know how the Lord's working in your life, but the Lord brought you to mind this last week, and I want to let you know that I was praying with you specifically on Thursday. You know, it's funny you should mention that, Mark, because Thursday was the worst day of my last week. You're never going to be able to do that if you don't know your partner. There are going to be three separate classes to start. Point number five, there's going to be some recommended books. There's going to be some lectures. There are a series of 45 or 46 lectures. And you can get this on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. You can get a free podcast account. And I'm going to encourage you to do a couple of things here. Number one, listen to those. And I realized I added two more lectures. So you can either do... Four of them this next month, get ready for January, or at least two. I'm going to recommend that you do at least the first two. The Daring Mission of William Tyndall and the Puritan Era, Part 1. If you want to listen to all four of them, that's fine. But these are free podcasts. They're about an hour in length, and they are life-changing. And you're going to learn things about church history in there that's going to tie into what we're actually going to go through in class. But I've given you one per week, so that's about an hour a week out of that five hours per day that you have available. If you want additional credit, again, this is not an accredited college, but if you want an accredited additional credit, I'm going to ask you to write two to three paragraphs on something that you learn from each podcast and be prepared to share with the class. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have to stand up and talk. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot like that, all right? But just be prepared. So that maybe if we got together in smaller groups on one Saturday, you would be able to share and you could just switch your papers around so everybody could read what you've learned. If you are comfortable with doing that. You've got the Reformation timeline. You've got the basic history timeline. The second part, or the second class is going to be spiritual maturity. In the life, in the home, and in the church. 
And there's going to be some, I'm, I'm going to, for those of you who are here, I'm hoping to get them in either Monday or Tuesday of this next week. And if I do, then I'll try to make sure that every one of you get um, a copy of these little pamphlets. They're only about 20, 30 pages each. Uh, they're again, they're for you to keep, but they are going to be extremely helpful in you to understand church life and how and why membership is so important. The elders have already read these, and uh, these are things that we are discussing as well. But every month, again, you will have additional stuff that is being given to you. Number three, seek ways to be involved at Yellowstone to a deeper level. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and whether you're a member or a regular attender here, don't be just a surface-type person. There, there are some of you, and, 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 and I don't want to put anybody on the spot here, but we've got people who aren't even members, they're regular attenders or whatever, and they come in and they help, they clean, they do the kitchen, they, they do all kinds of things, they, break, they bring food. That's wonderful. We need more people like that. We need more people who are willing to serve one another. You know, when, when I come to church on a Sunday, I've already prayed long before Sunday, Lord, Help me be a servant to these people when I stand up and preach. Because leadership starts with being a servant and it starts at the top. And I want to encourage you to do that. A transformed life. The distinctive mark of a disciple, parts one and part two, if you type that URL in, you will come up to sermonaudio.com. And these were given in a church in Edmonton, Canada. Dr. Jim Berg used to be the dean of students at Bob Jones University. He's now partially retired. He's still a teaching professor at Bob Jones University. But Dr. Jim Berg probably changed my wife and I's life. And I have a lot of respect for Dr. Berg, uh, him and his wife, Patty. And uh, so I want to encourage you, those messages, I think one is like 30-something minutes, the other is about 40-something. Um, and I want to encourage you over this next month to listen to those. But to listen to them with a pad of paper, because you're going to want to take some notes. And some of you, if the Lord is working on your heart, you may need a box of tissue. Because it's going to probably address some areas in your life like it did with me that I needed to be reminded of again. And when you listen to it, you'll understand why, because we've already covered some of this this morning. And again, speak at least once a week with your accountability partner. You can do it on Sunday, but I recommend another day of the week. Find out what time works best for you and for them, and then just have a conversation or a text or an email or whatever. One of the best ways to learn is to teach others what you are learning. So if your family's not here, or there's somebody else that you work with or whatever that you believe might be a Christian... Feel free to use any of this material. It is not copyrighted. Use it to be able to teach others because the more you teach others, the more you're going to learn as well. Schedule of classes is down there on the bottom. There is a little bit of homework there. I'm going to recommend if you don't have a Bible app that you download all three of these apps, especially the Literal Word app. It's available on iOS as well as in Android. And you are going to, we're going to teach you how to actually study the Bible in these classes. Okay? And you're going to know how to find the Greek. You're going to know how to, how to, how to find the Hebrew. You're going to learn what the nuances are of these words. 
Um, and, and I think you're going to find it really encouraging when you actually get your first assignment. So I'm warning you now, you're each going to have an assignment to be able to, and you can pick the word, but we're going to do a word search, um, as part of our Bible study. Okay. And I'm going to show you how to do that step by step, start a Bible plan. And then there's a great online site that I just found, and if you want to do more study, stepbible.org. And again, it's on your list here. I have never seen this website before. I am so excited. It's like having an inner linear on the website because all you do is hover over the word and it actually gives you the Greek. It gives you cross-references just by hovering. You don't even have to click if you haven't figured out how to use the left side of your mouse yet. <laughs> now, one last thing here. Sign up to a place called Mount Zion Chapel Library. You say, why do you want to do that? Because you can get $20 worth of free books and pamphlets every single month sent to you free of charge. It is a great resource. Some of the books that you're going to get are actually from them. If you decide you want more, let's say that you have a total of $30 in your cart you only pay $10 and they send you $30 worth of books. Okay? So the information is there. You can look it up. I should have had the link on there, but I believe it's just chapellibrary.org. Um, but a great way to be able to get a lot of godly material and to be able to build your libraries a little bit at a time. I got one last thing for you. Let's see here. Who, who has any? Uh, Scott, would you mind? I'm going to give credit to my wife for this one. She doesn't know I was going to do this. But this last month, as many of you know, we've gone through some pretty severe trials. Some tough times. Just as you guys all have at some point or another. And one of the things that my wife recommended was she said, well, I've been writing a journal. And in this journal, I'm thanking God, or I'm writing things down about who God is and what I can be thankful for. You know, when you start being thankful and giving praise to God, it makes your own personal issues kind of fade away a little bit. Sometimes a lot of it. And what I decided to do when I started this, I had no idea that it would turn into this. I just finished this actually yesterday. And so what I did was I said, Lord, I, I'd like to do a journal, and so what should I do? And so I decided that I would use Colossians, and Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 20 came to my mind. Now, I don't think there was some special revelation. No angel visited me in the middle of the night, nothing like that. But it was a passage that I had been considering and pondering for some time. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'll do that. So I wrote it down. I obviously typed it out here. And then I have things that God is or does, spend time praising and thanking God and add to it every day. So every day I would write down, I would take one verse and I would write down the things that, about God that I learned. Now some of these, obviously I've got a lot of pastoral experience and a lot of theological education. So there are things maybe that I could see deeper in the passage. That doesn't mean that yours has to be this long or that it could be even longer. But look at this, for example. I'm going to do just one verse here. 
And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I can see some things that I could have put down already that I didn't. So I'll probably adjust this. But when I started with point number one, I did not know, Brother Josh, that I would end up with 53 points. I just took one day at a time. So point number one, the first thing, we can be filled with the knowledge of his will. So I said, Lord, thank you that your will is perfect and knowledgeable or knowable. And then I wrote point number two. He sends comfort. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. We could not be where we are at without the prayers of the saints here and other saints around the world. I'm going to tell you something. We went to a restaurant yesterday. And we had lunch. And this, these three young women walked past us. And one of them stopped and she goes, I, I think I know you. I'm thinking, do I owe anybody any money? No, no, it wasn't anything like that. And she goes, you're Escalera. I said, yeah. I gotta, who are you? Well, I'm from so-and-so Baptist Church in Casper, Wyoming. We haven't been in Casper in 10 years. It used to be our sending church when we went overseas to Liberia. And this young lady remembered who we were. And I thought, you know what? That brings comfort to my heart knowing that other people are actually remembering us in prayer. We still pray for people we haven't seen in decades. Number nine, or verse nine again, he provides spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see the last part of that at the end? He provides, and I could actually broken that down. He provides spiritual wisdom. He is all understanding. And so it was just a great way for me to, to be reminded of who God is. And then look at what happened at the end. I got to the very end of that section and look how many verse 20 has. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in verse 20. All about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wrote that down and I wrote number 53 and it was not planned. And as soon as I finished putting that down, look at the end of verse 20. Making peace by the blood of his cross. I put verse 20, things I'm thankful for. He bore our shame on the cross. And the first thing that came to my mind was Isaiah 53. See how the Holy Spirit works? And that was an encouragement to me. And I thought you guys might like to be encouraged with that as well. So take a passage of scripture and learn how you can be thankful to God. Alright? So... Are there any questions or comments that you may have? Talk for an hour and 20 minutes and nobody has a question or comment. I, I would add something here. Sure. Because this is not my style, but I would, I would offer this to you as a, an alternative or someone else. When you look at when you look at scripture, I am, because of my bent, um, a lot of times I will read something and there will be, um, you're talking about taking one section of verses, but I think a lot of times within a journal or something like this, oftentimes you will read something or have people share something. And I am constantly brought back to either a song mm -hmm. or a hymn 
or something that brought me to that because I think music is very critical for our because of the way we're we're made. Yes. And oftentimes that gives us clarity and it gives us opportunity to worship in a different way. And it does not require then me to be super um, smart. Okay. I can go through music and I can see what somebody who was much smarter than me or much more creative and offer a framing of that in a way that oftentimes you'll say something and it brings a hymn or it brings a song. And I think that gives us opportunity to give praise. Yeah. Because ultimately, we have multiple ways. We are not one way. No. We have great opportunities to be creative. We have great opportunities also to utilize those that that uh, come before us and those that walk in our same time period. Because I think um, music is one of those things that's very divisive, um, but it can also... Just because it's not something that we sing in church does not mean that there's not very, very tight scriptural songs. Sure. And that requires our, you know, our, our thinking, but it oftentimes brings us back to that and allows us to think in a different plane. Sure. And, and, and I, don't, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. This, this, is not, this is not being given as a homework part. This, I just wanted to share this with you because, like you said, it could be creative. It could be that your style is to read a verse of scripture and go out for a walk and just meditate on it. Not everybody is a writer. I mean, I could show you, I've got, oh man, I have no clue. I, I probably have four, 5,000 files on my computer. I've typed every word because that's the way I am. I'm a, I'm a writer. I express myself through writing. So, and, and when I when I do my notes, for example, on a Sunday, this was for the elder commissioning service, and these are the notes that I used. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pages just for that one service. Again, not everybody does it the same way. You may not be a writer. You may just like to listen or whatever. Whatever works for you, I encourage you to use that, though. Don't do nothing just because you're not like somebody else. Anybody else? Thank you, Scott. Yes, Brother Josh. They are being recorded. And they'll be online. A Saturday or whatever. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, they'll actually probably be broken down because we don't want to have too big of a file at one time. So what I'll probably do like this now, we're at a, an hour and 22 minutes. Uh, what I'll probably do is about once an hour, I'll just start and say this is session two. But they'll all be on our sermon audio site. They'll all be designated um, as the Master's Disciples class. So you could just click on that on sermon audio and you'll go right to just those sessions. Okay. Yes, Gabe. We have the um, paper Yes, yes, I will do that as well. Thank you for reminding me. Yep, because I know some of you like using a Remarkable or a Kindle or whatever, so that way you can have it with you all the time. Yep. All right, what else? Well, I hope that you're encouraged this morning. I'm encouraged. Um, not just by your attendance, but, but by the fact that you're willing to learn. 
And uh, this, every class takes a lot of hours to be able to prepare for, just like the sermons do. Um, but I hope that uh, that's not the biggest issue to me. The biggest issue is I want you to take this, and I don't want this to be the last time you consider this until January 6th. Um, I want you to take this, and I want you to use this on a daily basis. And um, may the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified. Thank you to those who brought things. Again, if you would like to have a breakfast on a regular basis, somebody get together, write, take a piece of paper or whatever, and write down and come up with some kind of a plan. Um, doesn't have to be anything elaborate. doesn't even have to be cooked every, every Saturday that we get together, whatever you want to do. Um, that'll be fine. So every blessing to you, and um, let's close in prayer. Lord, again, we say thank you for your word. Your word, as we learned in the Thursday class, Hebrews 4.12, your word is quick. It is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword, cutting and dividing even to the bones and marrow, to discern the intents and thoughts of the heart. So we ask, Lord, that your word would be that kind of a sword, that it would get right down to where we need it the most. And this next week, and that we would strive today to be more like you than we were yesterday. And that tomorrow we'll strive to be more like you than we were today. We're only given a little bit of time. We're only given one day at a time, one hour, one minute, one second. And we cannot assume that we will even be here tomorrow, much less tonight. So I ask, Lord, that you would help us, though, to focus on you, to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And then as Nehemiah prayed, Lord, though, that we would also remember that there are times that we need to come before you and we need to ask forgiveness for our sins. We need to confess our sins before you, you who know all things, you see all hearts. And recognize that like David, sometimes we just need to say, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. But yet you are the one who is just you are the one who cleanses us from all unrighteousness, as 1 John 1, nine says. But we must be in agreement with you. Thank you, Lord, again for this time. May you be glorified, and as we come tomorrow for the service, that our hearts would be ready for worship. In Jesus' name, amen.